fears of tripping on time. Be there! Scour the spaceways! Explore vast alien worlds! This tin right here contains the whole rigmarole. I used to smoke about an ounce of hash every day. Good. And it made me go a little bonkers. Maybe. If I occupy his mind with more duties, I can control his space. Hi. Big fat Hi. doobies. Hi. 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 Hello. How's everybody doing? Today's Saturday, July 11th, 2020, episode 207 of the Hot Box. I'm Matt. That's Grand. How you doing, Grand? What's up, buddy? How you doing today? Good, man. Good to be back. Another week. Hotboxpodcast.com, hotbox.earth. That's the website. Check it out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Find us on iTunes and Stitcher, all that stuff. Uh, today we have special guest, Murphy Murray. She does some uh, classes. You can find her, I think, on the future... 4200 uh, forums, you kind of answer some questions there sometimes, and then you got your own thing going on. Uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. So you actually teach classes on this? Yes. Like, yeah. that's, that's rare. Yeah, before uh, people started social distancing, uh, my big thing was lab classes. And so um, I'm in my classroom right now. But... Uh, I would teach people hands-on. You could come in and we would make hash together. Um, it's the only way that I learn efficiently. And I think it's probably one of the best ways to teach. So that sounds, I love teaching hands-on. That's, yeah. That sounds way better than just paying like a hundred grand for an SOP and then figuring <laughs> it out from there. Right. And I, you know, the SOP is, you know, only good if you understand it. You got to be able to ask questions. Um, you know, like I'm, I'm a hands-on learner. I'm a visual learner. And so reading a book is never the same as like being able to talk to someone and like just repeat, repeat the idea out loud and make sure I got it right. Um, so it's, it's the way that I love to teach. I think it's, it's effective for most people. You see a lot of that in the industry that it's just like, follow this recipe. If something happens, call me. It's like, right. well, right. you kind of need to understand more than that. Cause if something happens, it happens pretty quick, depending on what you're working with. Uh, obviously hydrocarbons and stuff a lot more exciting than ethanol <laughs> can be. Right. But- and it's hard to throw all of the, the fine print in an SOP. You know? yeah. So the SOP is going to say exactly what to do. The SOP doesn't say what to do when you didn't follow the mm-hmm. SOP. Or why. Like, and then why is stuff this? stuff happened anyway. <laughs> so, you know, like that's where, you know, I can say, you know, vacuum your system and here's why. And then when, you know, someone does it improperly, I can explain like people sometimes do it improperly. This is what's improper about it. And like, it's, it's easy to talk about these alternatives and, and also just like see in someone's face. Mm-hmm. If they're understanding or not, you know, it's really yeah, satisfying to communicate an idea to someone else and have them grasp it. You, you know? said vac out my system and I've shop vac it three times. I don't understand. Right. What am I doing wrong? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. you, yeah. you never know what people think. So uh, unless you can talk to them, how, how has the transition, like you said, you're doing all of your classes on zoom and stuff. Like you still get a yeah. little of that body language feedback and kind of, you can see in the eyes if they're like glazing over, if they're actually understanding it. But I mean, you, yeah, are you looking forward it's, to getting back to like normal classes or is this kind of the new, the new, a- absolutely. The, the way that I communicate ideas when I'm teaching on zoom is very different. You know, I'm really reliant upon, you know, like having informative slides and putting a lot of numbers and stuff on the screen. Um, and, uh, 
you know, so it, it is a little bit of, um, you know, like a standardized sort of experience right. in that way. Whereas like, when you come into my lab, like I'm going to match your experience level right from the start and we can figure out where you're coming from. Um, but you know, I've done webinars where, you know, I had 90 people in there, so I can't see their faces. Oh, wow. I can't yeah. see what they're experiencing, you know? Um, and so it's just me talking to me <laughs> right. on, my, on my computer. Um, right. so, you know, it's like, I, I love being able to share the information. And I know for a lot of people, like, you know, uh, even just like my introductory uh, classes, people have loved that because they're just at home and they've, you've got, you know, they've got time. Um, but I can't wait to get back to the hands-on classes and, you know, the equipment classes. I think that, um, you know, especially when it comes to like safety and stuff, like I, I have a pile of broken parts and like <laughs> someone picks up a broken gauge, like they, you know, there's just an understanding, like it's just uh, visceral <clears throat> in that way. And so I've really... Uh, would like the world to get back to a point where people can come to my lab again, you know? So, yeah, I learned the same way. It's kind of like I have to, like, feel things and look at things and touch things and, like, feel how it's broken instead of saying, yeah, that's broken and just <laughs> right. looking at it. Yeah. I prefer to be it's, the one that breaks them and then I can say, yes, this is broken. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's, how, <laughs> that's, that's how I learned it. That's why, For real. I, you know. So I learned those of you that don't know, for those of you that don't know, SOP means standard operating procedure, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it's usually your recipe That's book right. that you'll find uh, hanging up in the lab, hopefully by the MSDS <laughs> sheets. Sometimes, maybe not. Um, yeah. So you have a class on August 8th coming up, chromatography via butane, propane, advanced CRC. Um, yep. I don't think a lot of people understand like maybe the difference between extraction and then chromatography. Do you want to maybe talk a little bit about sure. that? And then why do people hate CRC so much? <laughs> I have a comment uh, on that one. <laughs> yeah, there's there's so many uh, things to unpack there. So let's start with basic definitions then. So extraction um, means that we start with one thing and we're going to remove something from it, which means we're going to end with at least two things. So we're starting with a raw material and we're removing something from it. Not all of the thing from it, some of the things from it. And so extraction is generally targeted by compound, especially in most other industries. We're looking at a piece of raw material and getting exactly one thing that we want out of it, or maybe one thing plus a waste product. Um, but it's usually very specific. Uh, so, you know, if we're extracting, you know, limonene from orange peels, like we're extracting limiting from orange peels. We're not extracting miscellaneous oils from it. We're targeting one thing at a time. So uh, with cannabis, not generally that targeted. Um, usually we're just going in for oleoresin in general. <laughs> we take what we can that get. falls into that category. <laughs> yeah. The sticky stuff and mostly no leaves. You know, like that's kind of right. uh, as specific as we get with extraction <clears throat> with cannabis. And there's a lot of... Um, confusion that is kind of intentional because it's marketing mm -hmm. um, when people talk about their extraction process because the extraction is just the part where the solvent touches the raw material and then the oil ends up in that solvent and that solvent moves off of the material so like that's on a closed loop system that's one column that's mm -hmm. extraction the whole thing is not an extraction system that column is, an is the extractor system, itself you know? or like an, on an ethanol system that would be like the centrifuge is right. extraction right 
and then we have solution. And once we're in solution, purification happens and purification can mean a lot of things. That can mean filtering sediment, um, just like plant material back out of it, literal like dirt and clay. Um, purification can involve temperature change to change the solubility of certain compounds in the solution to remove those. Um, and uh, so that would be like your de-waxing, your winterization. Um, and then you also have purification that can be affinity based, meaning, you know, the polarity. And so that would be chromatography where you're um, using uh, and chromatography can happen with a solid phase with the media, which is where CRC goes. Um, it can also happen with um, competing liquid solvents. <clears throat> and it just means that instead of separating compounds by their shape and size, we're separating compounds by their polarity, um, which in simplest terms is by the things that are most similar to them. So like dissolves like, you know, water soluble things go with water, oil soluble things go with oil. If your solvent is butane and propane, you're looking at oil solubles. And so an affinity based purification is going to eliminate water solubles because they prefer the polar media um, or the polar solvent. Uh, and, you know, we have all these different types of purification, but they are all about purifying a solution that's already in existence. And, you know, even distillation would still be about purifying your solution, um, even though we do remove most of our solvent from it. Um, you know, it's, it's still unfinished at that point. And so, uh, you know, the extraction in the cannabis world has gotten, um, like, kind of difficult to explain because people... <laughs> confuse <clears throat> different parts of this process um, because many times they are they are a system they, they don't work right. independently of each other but they are independent processes right and people so, are calling an extraction the whole thing when it's really just right. one part of the entire process exactly so someone might say you know well i have a really refined extraction process so i don't have to do any purification but like if you extract at negative 40 that's you know, purification by changing solubility, you know, compared to someone who's extracting it, you know, 10. So like there's, you know, there's all these different factors and the way people tend to describe their process, it gets pretty convoluted. <laughs> um, and, and that's where CRC can be very messy because CRC is just the use of powders. You know, if we're describing it, it's, you know, just if I'm using polar, solid phase media to filter my process. And I try to promote the use of the term chromatography instead because chromatography really puts emphasis on the fact that it's an affinity-based filtration um, method because you can use clays as a sediment bed filtration just for removing particulate. Right. Um, so like, so like heavy metal remediation is technically just like a particulate removal, right? Like they're solids, they're insoluble, they're in our solution, but they're not, they're not dissolved. Right. Um, and so sediment bed filtration wouldn't remove water solubles. It would just remove things based on their shape and size. So they're too big to get through the clay. Um, whereas chromatography implies that not only are things probably too big to get through the clay, but also that they have, you know, like a chemical affinity. There's a bond there that's going to prevent that product from making it through the clay, um, which is a little bit more refined. And if we pay attention to that, we can control it 
to benefit us. Now, um, now, so, when I say CRC, I mean, I'm just running weed oil through kitty litter here. Yeah, okay. just whatever, <laughs> yeah, just powder that you found. Yeah. yeah. Now, is is that CRC or is that kind of like the clay thing or is that what it, CRC is, is the clay? So, so CRC, um, just like the phrase itself means color remediation, either column or cartridge. Um, and so the color remediation part is a misnomer because it implies that color is a thing color is an adjective like it's um like we can't have a color without a compound that is Mm -hmm. colored right right Um, right light doesn't exist well the light exists but like it's not being reflected off of nothing you know like there's something there that you have to remove so i can't remove the color red i can remove compounds that are red are red in nature right right and so um just remediating color it's not a good way to explain it, and it um, it promotes an idea that I think is harmful to consumers. So in the same way that, like, you know, finding out about THC potency sent people down a road of just pursuing <laughs> THC potency. Yes. Right, right. I don't want to tell people to avoid color. Some compounds that have color are awful. Avoid them, like, specifically. But, right. But that doesn't mean, like everything that's yellow is bad or everything that's orange is bad or everything that's red is bad and bad is you know still subjective based on how you're going to use it right. things that are red might be really important actually when we ingest them um because i was gonna say doesn't it doesn't affect everyone differently stuff. too well and it just you know the method of consumption so there's things like antioxidants that could actually be protecting mm. our cannabinoids and our terpenes from our stomach acid that oh, really? are not achieving anything when I catch it on fire and burn it. Right. <laughs> so right. if so, if my product is supposed to be smoked, I I can't justify having them there because they're just going to burn. Right. But if my product is intended to be ingested, there might be a significant role for them to play, and huh. so I would want to target my purification based on what compounds I want, since my extraction is just everything except leaves you know then like at that point i've got you know 400 compounds maybe who knows uh which ones do i want and for what application right i mean i I think it started out that way because that's what it was at least in my experience that was what it was first used for was to brighten up slabs and stuff and then it just kind of people were like oh wow this can like take out other stuff also and then it kind of but they kept that same crc name like whoever first started using it right it's kind of like a five-year-old having an explanation to it yeah it just removes the color of it but it does but that's not really what it does i took this brown plant and i made it gold (laughs) it it doesn't explain it well and, and i feel like that's unfair like we often treat consumers like they're too stupid to understand the products that we're selling them and so we give them dumb explanations and we'll be like indica into couch instead of <laughs> oh my you God. know instead of being like thc elevates your blood pressure and for some people that's stimulating like a normal person can comprehend that you know we don't need to wait. dumb it down for them uh wait hold on whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. that wait that that was the best explanation i have ever heard for weed affecting different pe- people in different ways can you please yeah. go back and say that again sure so um thc especially smoking it because smoking does this as well smoking anything increases your blood pressure because it's you're withholding oxygen um but thc also generally for most people is going to increase your blood pressure it's going to elevate your heart rate and so for a normal healthy person you know like that's not going to feel like anything 
you know, um, that's going to feel like a cup of coffee. Like you get over it. Um, for someone who's high anxiety, no, thank you. For someone who's on blood pressure medication, potentially dangerous. Really? Um, you know, so yeah. So like, there's just all of these variables. And that's wow. outside of it being psychoactive. So now you have to factor in the fact that you are high right. while experiencing a weird heart rate, you know? And like, how many of us have felt that, you know, where you're like, is my right. tire flat? You know, like you start worrying about <laughs> things that aren't real. That, that um, little, yeah, and it's because it's the combination of that mental experience and that physical experience. There's no way to standardize that for people. And it's so much more fair to say this is not going to be standard and like give them that realistic expectation, uh, you know, and especially with cannabis, there's, I've got dozens and dozens of potentially very active compounds and I'm only testing for like three categories of them. Right. And only some of the potential compounds within those categories. And so there could be tons of stuff in there that you have no yeah. idea. Exactly. Um, well, and how, even the things I do know are in there, I'm, I'm not quantifying. And how many of so, those like COAs do you see up on the internet that are like, and what's this mystery peak? And what's this mystery <laughs> peak? And people are just well, like, well, I don't know. It's near this other stuff. So maybe it's this, right. but nobody like knows for sure. You know what it is, Matt? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> it is almost stab time, my friend. Oh, nice. <laughs> CBT maybe CBC they have CBC standards I don't, I don't know mm -hmm. <laughs> so you like oh you there's won a lot of debate over methods on some of that stuff because right. it isn't well studied and you know like I mean the more that I learn about cannabis the the less I feel like I know for sure you <laughs> yeah. know um like it's very it's very upsetting to me when I'm making isolated THCA and I finally get all the Delta nine out. And then there is a peak that isn't THCA. And I'm like, well, what is it? You weren't there when the Delta nine was there. So, you know, and I'm like, it's yeah. like there's just always something, that's uh, you know, that's like left and you know, it, it could be so many things that we don't, we don't pursue that data. Yeah. Well, on that note, we are going to take a second and go to our ad break and dab break. Just one second. We'll be right back, guys. This episode of The Hot Box is brought to you by Gary's Glass Adventure. Go to garysglassadventure.com and check out his shop for any of your dabbing needs. Gary's Glass has quality German quartz and bangers of all sorts. They come in all sizes, 10, 14, and 18 millimeter. Also available are quality ruby pearls and rigs from a variety of artists. Again, that's garysglassadventure.com. Use promo code R slash dabs710 to get 10% off your order. This episode is also brought to you by Sweet Piece of Glass. Spog is an amazing website with lots of great pieces and a large assortment of accessories from artists like Chappelle Glass, Unlimited Glass, and Glassmith, Quartz by Jake Miser and Jay Redglass. There's almost nothing you can't find from Spog. Matt always takes care of his customers, and if you're in the Discord, he'll often give you a deal. So join the Discord and check out his shop to pick out your very own functional piece of art. He can be found at sweetpieceofglass.com and in the Discord. So, so I, I will mention, we, we have this giveaway we're going to pick the winner on next week on the next episode. So we just want to mention that again real quick. Uh, ah, the, that's right. Got the Sweet Dabber, the J-Red, Diamond Knot, all going into this sweet little candy bottle right here. So 
Definitely check out hotboxpodcast.com. There's a post there with all of the uh, things you can do to get entries. And uh, yeah, good luck to everyone. And next week uh, we'll announce the winner. So to get back into it a little bit, before we left for our break, you said the more you learn, the less you know. And just from hearing you talk, I feel like the exact same way. Because <laughs> I've been explaining it to people that like, weed affects everybody differently. There's kind of like an average standard, like it'll affect most people this way. And then there's like the deviations on each side where some indicas feel like sativas and sativas feel like indicas. So I, I almost feel like I've been robbing them, telling them that there is that kind of standard. Yeah. Well, I did the same thing. I remember being told about indicas and sativas um, and like thinking, like feeling so clear on it and feeling like, oh, I finally figured it out. That must be the case. But what you'll find is that if you do smoke a lot of sativas and indicas, you're not going to experience much of a difference between one or the other. Um, What you think you're going to feel is the most influential part of your psychoactive experience because it's psychoactive. It's fake. It's in your brain. It's not a real experience. <laughs> the placebo That's, effect. Yeah, it's being hot. It's literally. like every everybody that ate acid in the 90s and thought they saw <laughs> cartoon characters because somebody you told them you're, you're going to see hard this. enough, you can trip. Like, it's not, you know, it's yeah. not outside the realm of possibility. So, you know, in that regard, um, like, we've, we've created that experience by telling people that they're going to have it. Um, But ultimately what we're finding uh, when we actually test everything is that the biggest influence on the chemical output of these plants is the life experience of the plant. So at the time of harvest, um, you know, think about it this way, cannabinoids are accumulative, right? So the plant starts producing cannabinoids and then they're there. And then it produces more and more and more. And the ones that it started producing early on didn't go anywhere. Um, They have, you know, there's a potential degradation path. They change. That probably has a lot more to do with, you know, the UV and the light. But I don't know. Um, I'm not a plant scientist by any means. (laughs) But but the idea is like those cannabinoids are relatively stable and they're contained, right? They're within that resin structure. Protected. And they're accumulative. All of this terpene content... Um, as well as a lot of the other water soluble uh, content. And then, you know, you've got things like flavonoids and esters, um, a lot of other category, you know, the antioxidants, things that are going on in this plant. A lot of those are produced on a daily basis. They're constant production by the plant. So terpenes are not accumulative. The plant produces them and then like sweats them and they're gone. Most terpenes are toxic to the plants producing them. Um, that's why they're only outside, right? Because that, because terpenes are a communication device with the outside world. It's not for the plant. It's for you from the plant, you know, for whatever reason it might be. So the bees, it's almost like a waste product. Kind of. Well, because they're either using them. It's basically two reasons. One is to, um, deter pests or deter mold and microbial content. So it's a response to environmental stress. Mm. And the other reason they produce them is to attract pollinators. And so, they're going to produce those different categories of terpenes at different times in their life cycle based on what's happening to them. So a plant, you know, that smells really green and fresh, um, a lot of that has to do with the chemicals it's producing while it has soft, supple little branches and soft, delicious leaves that are very attractive to most bugs. 
And then as that plant gets hardier and covered in resin, that resin actually detract, uh, you know, keeps the bugs away. So it doesn't have to produce those stinky terpenes anymore. Now it starts producing good ones to attract pollinators, which never come, hopefully. And then if it comes under attack from bugs, what's it going to do? Produce those other terpenes. You know, like it's got a response. And so, you know, like that is not something that's going to be consistent for a sativa or indica. That's going to be consistent for like, if you always have PN, you know, then you're always going to have this terpene profile because this is what your plant is always going to do. And so a genetic, uh, you know, predisposition to certain terpenes definitely exists, but like the life experience of that plant has a huge impact on you know just what's happening a plant that's capable of being high potency isn't going to if it's in duress for you know it's it's final weeks of resin production so you know like that sativa and indica is not as important as the grower you know and uh the experience that that plant has and then even for that grower to know how to feed plants differently based on what they need, you know, because a blanket feeding, you know, in a blanket environment isn't going to be supportive of individual plant needs, you know, like the amount of sugar you need versus me is just different. It wouldn't make sense for us to eat the same exact amount of the same exact foods. So, um, you know, the way that those plants are grown is, you know, probably the number one determining factor in their chemical output. You know, that, that's actually insane that you say, like, that you said, um, it's not always like one constant thing. Like, you're supposed to be feeding your plant this much all the time. It's a variation. And I've actually found that, like, cause everybody always told me, like, your water pH needs to be this right on the dot. And, like, for forever, I kept my pH at, like, let's just say seven. Right. And then eventually I just kind of let it go. And it, I realized it started fluctuating a bit. And they thrived even more on the fluctuation than the sure. pure just 7.0. Right. It's like they're it's, taking more when out of different areas. Well, and, and they have a response to that, right? So like plants are going to grow differently based on if they're well-fed all of the time or if they're hungry, you know, like a nitrogen deficiency isn't gonna, you know, do you any favors, but there is something to be gained by like letting the roots get compacted a little bit before you transplant potentially, you know, like there are some types of stress on the plant that, you know, are going to help make it stronger. Cause it's know? natural stress. Yeah. Um, and so like, that's where, like, I'm not a plant scientist. I can't tell you how to grow the best weed. Um, I only can judge your weed on its <laughs> chemical output. That's all I've got. And so if you can't grow those chemicals, I can't extract them. Um, I, I like that though. You said the stress like helps it grow because uh, there's even a tack uh, where you break a branch in a certain right. way. So you stress it out and mm -hmm. then let it heal again and it becomes even stronger. It's like breaking a right. bone. When you break a bone, it's going to become even stronger where that break was. You're never going to break it again in that same exact spot. Well. And and that's, you know, it's takes, uh, it takes skill and understanding and experience to like be good at those things. Um, but it also is the exciting part because that means that like weed will never always be the same mm -hmm. unless we do something the same all of the time. And most of us are incapable of that. So. <laughs> right. <For real. laughs> and, and to bring it, to bring it back to extractions, like you, 
you can <laughs> have really not great weed, but you can make a decent extract out of it. But if you have like really well-grown, really good weed, it makes a better overall extract with fewer, I think fewer refinement steps at least. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's the number one difference is the effort that I have to put in. Right. And so like if, if the chemical content isn't there, I can't get it. If the chemical content is there, that doesn't mean I can get it easily. Right. And so the ease with which I have access to that chemical content is going to vary in significant ways. Um, and this is something that I'm really excited about being able to test for because, you know, like we test for potency and then we test for contaminants, we test for residuals, we test for, you know, pesticides, whatever. Um, but we don't test for the other categories. Like we don't test for esters. We don't test for flavonoids. We don't, most, uh, you know, states and labs aren't even testing for water content. You know, like we're not testing for, um, you know, hey. like unless it's being demanded because everyone's just like one more cost, you know, people yeah. want to keep the fees down. So anything they can cut off the list, they try. They you know, Oregon, Oregon doesn't test for ethanol at all. Um, you know, so yeah. Uh, so like there's these, there's these gaps in our testing, um, but uh, one that is starting to gain some momentum that I'm excited about is being able to test the lipids. So test all of the waxes, mm. right? Because cannabinoids are lipids too. And so that means that extracting them is inconvenient when there's a large amount of other undesirable waxes um, in there because they tend to extract and precipitate in a similar range. Um, that's why it's so important to winterize properly before you distill because you can distill the waxes right over too. Um, they are too close to each other. And so being able to test your plant for wax content before you extract it would actually tell me if I'm going to get higher yields or not. Because if, if I have a, a pound of weed and it's both a truly homogenous 20% THC, whichever one has more waxes and specifically the like shitty old watery waxes <laughs> um that's going to give me low potency which means that by the time i refine it i'm gonna have a low yield compared to the other one that might have it would literally just be fresher material most likely or no foliar sprays less heat stress you know different humidity conditions in the room whatever is causing that and so we're talking about like the thickness of the trichome, you know, like the shell around it. We're talking about like coating on the leaves, like all of these other places where stuff that's also soluble in our concentrate, if I could test for that, it would tell me a lot more about the plant. And that would be really useful to you as a grower, because that would be the difference between one nutrient and another. Mm -hmm. If they're both giving you increased resin content, but one of you, one of them gives you lipids everywhere on the leaf and one of them is just giving you strong trichomes like that'd be a huge advantage for us to test for and no one's ever talked about it but now people who uh are paying a lot for rosin are starting to care because they're yielding <laughs> trash interesting right so, unless they can test for this rosin won't be sustainable but if they can test for it they can fix it and if the rosin heads fix it i will benefit <laughs> because <laughs> Because I can already extract the stuff they can't based on doing more cleanup to get it good at the end. Um, and the less and cleanup you have to do means it's cheaper for us. Right. So if No they, more $100 you know, grams? Charge on this. Yeah. <laughs> no way. And, and what's great about it, too, is that once we can test for those waxes, we can actually study them, which means we could find out 
if they're harmful for you. Um, we can find out if they're relevant to use in chapstick or topicals, or if they're helpful as like an inert substance for a gel capsule, you know, like then we can start to actually use products because we'll know what they are and what they're doing. Do you if actively smoke weed? I, I love smoking weed. I'm very picky. You are the about... smartest pothead I have ever met. <laughs> <laughs> I, it, it just like, I've just been sitting here like, uh, what? Like I've been understanding it all, but like, holy shit, you know a lot. I, uh, I mean, I do teach a lot, so I've gotten pretty good at, uh, you know, trying to talk through it. You get a lot of questions me... that you get to then follow down further and know more right. about. And, yeah, that's well. Cool. And these, these are all questions I had too. I just had them slowly, mm. you know, over ten years in the industry, and so like I have been wrong and repeated incorrect things. We all have, I'm sure. Oh. <laughs> all of nope. us. I've never been wrong in my Shut life. It sucks. Uh, you know, we just don't know until we find out. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's where I have even more hesitation than before because now if I haven't proved it with like a witness in my lab and two third-party COAs, it might be fake. Like I'm, you know, I still... I can't trust anything anymore. <laughs> Goddamn movie magic. <laughs> so we have a, a lot of uh, like younger people that come and they find the subreddit through Googling stuff. And a lot of people like in states that are non-legal. And uh, I see a lot of questions about like kids that are in college now, like what they're studying and what they should be studying as far as getting into the, the weed industry. Uh, I always mm -hmm. tell them like definitely learn to drive a forklift. Cause it's going to be a lot of that. Yep. Um, but I like from the, today, yeah. right. It's, they thought yeah. I was joking. I had this in the rundown. Yeah. Like, Hey, do you think it's important to know how to drive a forklift in the weed industry? Mm -hmm. And like, for real, it is, it's, yeah. it's yeah. a real thing. Not only in the weed industry, but I have worked in the aerospace industry to a foundry to carpentry, pretty much 90% of the jobs I have worked at, there has been a forklift. It's life and skill. knowing how to drive it makes life easy for you because you just sit your ass down and get in and move some levers. Yeah, you don't want to be the guy who has to help the forklift because no. nope. he's not allowed to drive the <laughs> you're, forklift. You're just that sitting there like... Terrible job. Yep. Yeah. You're doing good. Yeah, just just yeah. one second. I'll move in a little bit more. Yeah, right. you have to walk in the parking lot next to the curb <laughs> instead of sitting under the, you know, it's not. You crazy. can't ride on it because that's against that safety rules. Yeah. <laughs> but like fun. as far as uh, like a, a science pursuit, like what would you recommend that that these kids start to, to pursue as far as like classes and majors and stuff? Um, I mean, if you want to work in uh, the extraction industry, like, you know, and actually doing production work, like making hash, I would honestly really strongly recommend engineering um, because, you know, we are definitely moving towards GMP, uh, you know, good manufacturing process, uh, uh, you know, procedures. And like we, it's going to be very process driven, very um, systems oriented, and it's going to be pretty standardized in our near future, especially in the more global markets, you know, like the hemp industry and, um, you know, and even in the pharmaceutical world, that engineering expertise, I think, is a is a huge advantage over a classroom full of, of chemistry graduates. 
um, you know, if you want to work in the analytical or research and development field, pursue the chemistry. And I would definitely recommend pursuing not just the, you know, the organic chemistry and the analytical chemistry that will help you understand the testing procedures. You're going to have to, you know, study a lot of statistics if you want to work in that field. It's a tremendous amount of math. Um, but that's those are the types of jobs where it would be like formulation, where you would be the one inventing the recipe for the tincture. If you want to be the one that follows the recipe for the tincture, um, but maybe, you know, has a, a good job in that field where you're designing equipment to enable someone to follow the recipe for that tincture, that's kind of a mechanical and engineering, um, you know, or even a chemical engineering type of role. Um, you know, so you can, you got to kind of think about like what you would want to do. Like, do you want to be hands-on with oil and with equipment? Do you want to work with a wrench every day or do you want to work with a pipette? You know, like, can you right. handle, like, are you going to be comfortable in a respirator eight hours a day? Because if you want to work in extraction, handling dry biomass, that's not like a cute lab coat and like fun, you know, and like your favorite pen. That is a dirty physical labor PPE. job. It's the yeah, worst. Yeah. It's literally right. the worst. So, <laughs> yeah. So you've got to think about like, like what you really want to do, um, you know, at the end of the day, because you're probably going to have to do, you know, difficult random jobs, you know, to work towards those goals at some point. But in terms of like your education, like think about, you know, where, where you want to be at the end of that rope, you know, if you, um, if you have any ideas in your mind about being a business owner in the cannabis industry, even if that's a lab owner or an extraction company owner or a garden owner, um, take business classes, like literally any business classes, like sign up for online community college business classes. They're probably going to get really cheap over this next year because everyone's <laughs> going to be needing enrollment. Um, but uh, the more you understand about like the differences between an S corp and an LLC, the more you understand about like things you can get sued for mm -hmm. when you have employees or not, um, you know, not to mention just like how to write a business plan to do all of that. Like the more likely you will be to succeed. Um, a lot of cannabis jobs are still just regular jobs. Like the cannabis part, just makes it more expensive and less profitable, I think. Um, <laughs> and here, but, your paycheck like, is cash. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, so, you know, so like, and, and the cannabis information is evolving. Like, if you came to me today and downloaded everything I know about cannabis right now, you would be behind in two days because mm. I'm going to find out something in the next two days that I didn't know now. And it might be really important, you know, like it's, right. it's in flux. So you don't need to know any of the things that I knew for the first five years of my career because those things are all garbage now, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're not important anymore. And, you know, so the future of, you know, what's going to happen, like if you're not going to graduate college for, you know, four more years, we might not smoke weed in four years, you know what I mean? Like, I have no idea what's gonna happen. Like before right. vape pens became standardized, if you would have told me that people were gonna be carrying around oil and smoking it out of pen, I would have been like, <laughs> nerds. Right. Even when vape pens were getting popular, I was like, this is too expensive. There's no way 
that people are going to keep doing this because I remember when the pen battery was like $300, $400. And I thought, there's no way this will catch on. Right. I've been wrong so many times. So I don't think it's important to know everything that's happening in cannabis now. I think it's important to know how to work in the field where you want to be in cannabis and then have the business skills and the negotiation skills to get that when you're ready for it. You know, um, I know a lot of really smart chemists that can't negotiate in a job interview and that's not, <laughs> that's how you get taken advantage of in the cannabis industry, you know, like that's so, um, you know, some of these life skills I think are just as important. I know, right. some, I know some engineers that can't negotiate their way out of a, a blueprint. So right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. people too, that will just be happy to even get an offer. You know what I mean? So they're just like, Oh, right. $5 an hour. Yeah, yeah. sure. I'll pack it. weed socks all day with no mask for five bucks an hour. Cool. Right. I mean, I, I know that's an insanely low number, but I'm just throwing yeah. out something. You know what I mean? It's, but, no, it's not even untrue because here's the thing. Um, it's not uncommon in other industries to work for free to get in. Interns. Like internships mm -hmm. are a normal, like, you know, gatekeeper for a lot of industries. I can't so tell like you how many times I've offered that. Yeah. <laughs> like, so five dollars an hour is I just want knowledge. Yeah, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so that's totally fair, but you've got to know how to then take that internship and use it to negotiate a job offer. Otherwise, what are you going to do? You know, like you've got to. Right. Um, you know, like a lot of people just want the weed and then like work until they don't even want the weed anymore. You know, like right. they just get burnt out on it. And, and that sucks. Not to mention we need competent people in cannabis, you know, like if everyone who's getting paid cash knew more about how to manage their taxes, like that would be really valuable for them. But no one told them that they are going to have a much harder time filing each year when they have to deal with piles of money from eight different temp jobs. So nobody <laughs> expected to have to pay taxes on this shit. <laughs> Fuck out of here. No. And you got to learn how to do it taxes. right or you're going to pay too much. Oh, for real. So don't do that. Yeah. And they won't give you shit back. No. Yeah. It's, you know, it. there's a... Uh, that's the part um, that like we still all have to catch up on. And I mm -hmm. think like the West Coast is, um, you know, probably struggled with it the most because California took so long to get to legalization. And then their legalization was so bad that it didn't turn over. It went like really bad. Yeah. <laughs> like bad. everyone kind of has just accepted it in Colorado, you know, or kind of was like, this is where we make our money. Now. You know, <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> Um, but you know, but we don't have some of the same obstacles that, that California does. A lot of people out there, like they just haven't ever adapted this to normal day-to-day -day life. And if we don't do it, the corporate mm -hmm. versions of us will, because they know how, um, and right. that like how embarrassing for our jobs to be taken from us because we don't know how to do taxes. By people that don't you know even I mean? smoke weed, don't even care about it. It's just another commodity. Well, that's the thing. It's like, it won't matter that they don't smoke. Yeah, it yeah. won't matter that they don't care because we didn't bother to do the business part. Right. Like cannabis right. is cool, but if you want a cannabis business, there's two words there. And you can't just only focus on the first one. And if you are only going to focus on cannabis, you better make enough money to pay someone else. Yep. <laughs> and see, I, I think on the business. I think this is where legalization 
becomes the biggest issues because once this becomes federally legal, we don't have to worry about, I mean, we might have to worry about the stigma, but at least not breaking the law at some point in time to have to do this. Because federally speaking, mm-hmm. we were all kind of still breaking the law. I mean, yeah. it, a little bit. Right. Yep. Which I, is kind of terrifying sometimes. No, and it's something that we like just kind of don't, like I can't think about it. You know, like right now, if a federal agent came into this facility, like he's obligated by his badge to like, right. you know, like he can't ignore this, right? Like, right, think, right. You know, like well, I'm illegal right now. Don't tell anyone. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, but like, I can't think about that all day. Right. Like, what am I right. going to do? Just get be stressed out all of the time? So like we have to, you know, function. And, we just keep um, the doors locked. I'm not federally yeah. obligated to let you right. in. So good day, sir. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah, but right, like, right. But like that comfort yeah. doesn't make it any better. Like if right. I could just, you know, like channel that angst into like caring about banking, you know, <laughs> and getting like, and not having cash anywhere, like things would be safer and easier for us. But it's really hard for the people who are in the industry to be noisy about that because I can't say these cannabis businesses have to drive around with a hundred grand in cash. Cause I don't need anyone to hear me saying, <laughs> right. People drive, you know what I mean? Like I can't call attention to myself and, and put myself <clears throat> at risk. So I can't call attention to serious issues. Right. Um, and so then, like, none of us really put in the work. Uh, we know, all just kind of glossed over that part because it's like, yeah, well, we just don't talk about it. Yeah. Because nobody wants to get the shit sold. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, what? Do, so it's a really, um, it's a, you know, a really hard situation for us to be in. It only really gets resolved through legalization. And um, if we're not prepared to step up to the rest of the obligations that will come with legalization. Right. We won't, we won't be the ones that get to to do it, you know? Right, right. That, that is the biggest thing, like you said, the obligate. We need to take responsibility for it while legalizing. We can't just go, fucking legalize it, and then be done with the issue. It's not that simple. Right. Like, I hear people say the words, they're the letters, I should say, GMP, all of the time. I have never once been into a GMP cannabis facility or hemp facility. There's a lot of people who say they have them. I've physically never been in one that would actually qualify as GMP. A lot of people have a lot of binders. Have them or are in the process of making them. Yeah. Well, it's like you can have the binders, but then you still have like, you know, all of these, you know, components that won't need any of those. You know, like you still would, you're still not OSHA compliant because you're over here standing on buckets. Buckets on the floor. Yeah. yeah, So like, you've been um, to my lab. None of us, like, you know, I mean, I'm sure someone, you know, maybe you'll get an angry email from someone that says, yeah, and if if that's the case, like, let's go. It's going to be the clear scientist and the clear scientist is going to be like, bro, come to North Carolina, check out my giant fucking facility. I don't know. Does he do a mycotoxin test on the corners of his piping? Like, let's find out. I don't know. Like, there's, there's a lot, a lot of, of material. It's a lot of piping. It's just I, what I'm saying. You know, it, it kind of, I'm, I'm new into kind of growing for myself. I'm my own caregiver and a few other patients that I have. But kind of getting into it, like, that was kind of the, one of the most disheartening things is I tried to do, like, everything completely right and keep mm-hmm. everything as clean as possible. And everybody else was just like, I don't worry about that shit. It's like, right. what? But mold? Like, you know? Cross contamination is the number one contamination. And right. it's stupid because it's the only preventable contamination. You know, like everything else kind of 
is a part of the process. So we have to mitigate it. But like cross contamination is truly just us ruining it. Keeping a clean room is a lot harder than it sounds. <laughs> it's extremely difficult. And I'm not like criticizing other people when I say that no one's GMP. Like my, I have cracks in my cement floors right here next to me, you know, like I, I get it, you know. Um, I don't right. see, I don't see dabs you all know. over your walls though. So you're doing good. <laughs> no, <laughs> That's nice. Here's the thing. If we got dabs on the walls, we would wipe it off immediately. So Damn! You, never know. you need to come um, but, down here and tell some people that, that the walls, Let me know. I'll come take care of it. It'll, it'll be gone. <laughs> it's uh, you know, it's just it's an it's a difficult thing to do, and it's difficult to do in transition for our industry because, you know, like there's people who are operating at pilot plant scale right now, but that's about as sophisticated as it gets. And even, you know, those people aren't being fed by other pilot plants. It's still all kind of vertical. So everyone's kind of picking and choosing the parts of their process yeah. that are the most clean, you know. And, and of course, what else can you do? Like the cleanest room in our facility is the packaging room. I right. don't go in there. I don't even open that door because <laughs> I don't want to be responsible for it, you know. But um, so like we're putting all of our energy into the final location for final products because it's the best investment, you know, of that effort. Um, right. Because, you know, like if I bring a, a steel tank from outside into my lab, like, you know, I've got mud, I've got shoes, I've got, you know, all of these different things. So it's hard to, you know, it's hard to criticize everyone. Like I'm definitely a part of it, but, um, but we all need to be really honest about. Just because it's happening doesn't mean we don't need to be conscious about it, at least well, as it, much as possible. Yeah, and it doesn't mean, because for most of us to be truly GMP compliant, for I shouldn't say most, but for very many people, it means that they can't operate in the facility they're in. It means that they would have to start right. from scratch and they would have to build a new facility that is capable of right. meeting those requirements. Um, you know, like you can't just add floor drains at a reasonable cost to certain buildings. You know what <laughs> no, I mean? Like a lot of that stuff needs to be done from the ground. You suppression when you've been like running your lab on a second story of a grove. Oh, like people will try though. Are not, you know, they're just not economical. I mean, I shouldn't say you can't, but like for the 300 grand, I would yeah. build a new right. building. You know, so, right. um, so for a lot of people, it means a change that's unsustainable for their current business. It would mean mm -hmm. buying completely new equipment, not upgrading what they have. And most of us have not, you know, established the infrastructure to be able to do that income or have a capital of our own. And so it's easier to fight it, you know, and keep making money. But, um, but I think that it is like anyone else that's going to compete with us in terms of like coming in at that national level they will just build it properly with no expenses spared the first time. And they might not love cannabis as much and they might make worse hash than you. And it won't matter if you're not allowed to make it at all. Yeah. Right. Right. So I heard we just got a trap again and then you still won't be clean. Uh. Right. <laughs> I keep a clean trap. <laughs> yeah. I heard uh, you guys, your team, you, you guys won a cup. Uh, mm -hmm. with some CRC, and I don't know if it's true yeah. or not, but I heard that mm -hmm. the person that put that cup on was a real CRC hater, but you guys, yeah. like, won the cup. Can you, like, tell us about that a little bit? <laughs> the yeah. ultimate fuck That's you. That's a fun, that's a fun story. So um, I went to Barcelona right before, uh, well, I guess coronavirus was happening, but um, I went to Barcelona anyway, and uh, I was going to teach class out there and just enjoy Spain. And... Uh, 
it was the um is <laughs> the ego clash which uh is one of my favorite competition styles um but i didn't know what style of competition it was before i entered it um so the way that this competition works is that everyone who enters smokes everyone else's entries right then nice. that day huh and we all judge them um, and it's, you know, a private, I have my little tablet and I write my little notes on it. Um, and we judge on all of these different categories, but we all smoke each other's hash in front of each other. Um, <laughs> they're not labeled. So, you know, you don't necessarily know who made what. They all know, yeah. Well, but, that makes it uh, more civil, at least. <laughs> well, it's, right. you know, so that was my favorite thing about it is I knew which jar was mine, of course. I could look at it and tell. <laughs> and so I got to listen to all of these people as they smoked it and like hear them talk about it and even just watching them dab it, you know, and like seeing how they experience it, uh, which was fascinating for me. And like, I loved it. I, uh, it was a lot of smoking weed for me because I was already smoking weed that whole day earlier. I didn't know that I was going to have to do that. Um, right. yeah. So third gen, uh, puts it on, um, you know, third gen family farms and, um, he's, he's real adamant about, uh, just any, honestly, anything that isn't, you know, this organic grown, you know, water extracted and rosin, um, like they, he, they support that whole, you know, very, one of the hard artisan, uh, you know, products and like have no issue with any of those products. I think they're amazing and like really well-made hash contains categories of compounds that I don't get in my live resin because I'm right. intentionally excluding water solubles. And right. some of those water solubles, when preserved and never heated, are great. You know, um, you know they taste fine. I don't know that they have any like other relevant value, but uh, if if we're just you know talking about that experience, like that's why we get some really uh, intense fruity flavor out of like a lot of water hashes because some of those those are like esters and things that I'm not you know like terpenes is just one category that contributes to flavor and it's the most astringent category like terpenes on their own are pretty harsh a lot of these esters things like banana you know like that's just its own little chemical compound that's not a terpene there's no combination of terpenes that makes banana flavor that's an ester um it's all on its own so like a lot of these water hash like I, they have great value i have no issue with them um and it's funny because people who specialize in solvent tend to not necessarily hate on these other products um it's easy to hate on poorly made rosin because it looks like a booger but uh you know other than that like you mean you polishing know, a piece of food yeah like uh. we we just we respect the craft of each other you know um but third gen definitely had posted a lot of you know videos about you know just hating crc and how it was garbage True. and you know and of course most people um especially people in that you know kind of area of the community they're experiencing crc from the bulk pack perspective they're not experiencing it from a gram at a time at the dispensary and so i would say that in general um you know like sauce that's available to you by the multiple pound is not as good as sauce that you can only get by the gram you know an ounce of it most of the time you know like a lot of times what we make in bulk is not it's as not good, good. And that's because most of the weed in bulk is not as good. And that's something the third gen knows because he talks about that all the time too, that like, it's all about the grower. It is a hundred percent about the grower. Yep. 
Um, and so like I can, I can only make clean isolate from bad you know, material and I can make clean isolate and I feel great about it. Um, but you know, we're limited in that function. And you so still he's need those terms, <laughs> you know, he's complained about these, you know, these CR seed slabs and these, you know, like generic bulk products that aren't good. Now here's the thing to keep in mind. Those slabs were terrible before they were CRC, right? Like we were like just about, the worst. Like, we're talking about brown, spicy, stinky. Bullshit, oh no. You know? <coughs> um, so like it would not have been better to sell it to someone as it was. And if that CRC process made it more potent, in you know the process of removing that color, which it should, mm-hmm. right? You're just concentrating then, it. Yeah. Then they did increase the actual value of that product. Fundamentally, right. if I'm paying for milligrams of cannabinoids, and the brown stuff was sixty, and the you know light yellow stuff is eighty, that's a positive. That's a you know that's twenty milligrams more. You're not you paying know, for the like, bullshit. You're, yeah, like it's it's valuable. Um, so, like, I don't see any ethical issue with that. The ethical issue is with the misunderstanding that the color impacts the potency, which it does not necessarily. Um, you know, I can still have 80% potency and red, you know, right. 80, you know, like if I fill a little bit of chlorophyll into my 99% pure white powder, it's all going to be green goo, you know, so like... <laughs> color doesn't indicate potency in that way, especially because a lot of, um, you know, these color compounds don't represent a lot of mass. Um, right. You know, like, like if I remove a hundred percent of the anthocyanins from, you know, a gram of cannabis, that is like a, a decimal point. That's not going to add up to anything, you know, like it's not going to change the scale necessarily. Um, probably still so, going to have a gram. Yeah. Like <laughs> damn near. So, um, you know, there's a lot of other things we remove in the process of CRC that do affect that weight. Removing water is a big one. Um, but fundamentally, I think it does purify it. A lot of people just see the color change and without an explanation of that potency change and or without proof that that potency change has occurred um, because you can't be claiming things that you can't prove, um, then it's easy for people to just see it as a bad move but like if you increase your potency by 20 percent, you did increase the value of that product and i don't see any problem with that um and and that's all i see in my live resin is i'm going to make it as good as i possibly can and i think it's better for the effort that i made i mean if you pull things out that aren't supposed to be there like if you want thc and you pull things out that aren't thc by nature you would be concentrating it right you'd be increasing that percentage you would have to be that's that's yeah. how you would get 100% of it. You'd have to take out everything but that. Right. But but then we have this RSO logic of like <laughs> the whole plant or the broad spectrum or the full spectrum. But like what – give me the list. How many things do give you me the list to be full spectrum? What do you want in these You know, scans? like if you tell me how much of each cannabinoid needs to be there for it to be full spectrum, okay, I'll do it. Um, but right. like, if you can't give me that list, then you can't critique that list. You know, if you can't tell me, uh, like, if you want to say that the esters in, you know, the solventless extract are what make it better, then you need to be able to quantify your esters and prove that you have more than me. I believe that you probably do, but you still have to prove it. Right. You, know, like, you can't you just say it. Yeah. That. At and the same so, time, you have to prove they're useful too, right? 
I mean, potentially. So useful from the perspective of smells good, tastes good is like, that's, just, I can that's just all say subjective that. though. Right. So, yeah. But if I can prove it's there, then there we go. You know, it's kind of like, you know, like adding peaches to, you know, like a craft beer at the end. Like it might not really taste like peaches at the end of it, but like, if you feel that like it is it a does, peach craft beer, great, you know, yeah. so, <laughs> you know, like it's all, um, you know, there's a lot of subjective things that in that, you know, connoisseur market are important. Like that's how we choose one wine versus another is like, this oak barrel versus this oak barrel, you know, so. I've aged this crude 10 yeah, so, years in so this oak barrel. So there's relevance to nuance. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, there's relevance to opinion, uh, but that's where it is an opinion. And so uh, I was in Barcelona and I wasn't there to compete in any of the competitions. I was just there, um, you know, to hang out and teach. And so I had to submit some personal to the competition because I, uh, I found out, I didn't realize the Eagle Clash and third gen, um, you know, were uh, a combination, but I had found out that several of the other Eagle Clashes that had gone down in California were also won by CRC products. And so I, I just had to do it. Um, so, you know, even in the court of opinion, we still determined that, uh, you know, at least of the solvent extracted products it won and um you know second place was a crc product as well so um Dale. you know that was kind selections up in uh canada and it was incredible nice. um their, their stuff was made i thought i was going to lose to them the whole time so i feel like I think most... it kind of circles full back to the, what you were saying originally is like kind of like the extraction is not the entire process it's just a part of the process right. crc is like a part should be a part of the process as well or it can mm -hmm. be and yeah. it has nothing wrong with it at all all it is is increasing your potency right and, most... and a lot of people want to argue for one method over another but like you know, there's there's a lot of reasons why we would choose one method over another. So I can't say that it's right. Like I can't say that extracting with cold ethanol is better than winterizing in, you know, a big, large batch reactor, because like the reason that you would choose one versus another might be based on, you know, that your outdoor storage tanks are in the desert and it's never going to be okay for you to try and keep that cold because it's right. 109 degrees outside. So maybe Whatever's feasible. batch winterization is what makes sense for you. I honestly don't care which, you know, option you choose. What I care about is if there's no waxes in your product at the end. And so like right. if you're achieving the same goal, then it just comes down to like what's cost effective for you, what's possible for you and you know right. it's silly for us to all try to be better than each other <laughs> when we're not comparing the things that make it better like no one is putting out there their cost of production per pound but everyone will argue with you about why their lights are better Damn. prove that your lights are better why are they better because if it's not affecting your overhead then what then you've got the different parameters than me you know what's like the it's, point right you know like you have to give me data you know if you can prove that you have more resin content per pound that's one point if you can prove that you have more resin content per pound and it costs you 20 percent more than me to operate mm -hmm. then then i might be able to just grow more than you to make up the 20 percent. you know like there's all these different factors 
and no one wants to compare everything. They all want to pick a weird angle. They pick the thing they're good at, right? They pick like, this is my, my, uh, ahead in the game and so that's the thing I focus on because it's all I fucking right. have it takes two points to make a line so like you can't just pick one part of the process <laughs> and then like tell me where it's gonna go you don't right it's not enough information um and it's a it's a funny argument because it's it's one that you know again if we get replaced by you know larger corporations like they are only thinking about that other half um, so they'll be able to figure out the front part because we're giving them that. That's the only part we're worrying about. And yeah. so like they'll have all of that data, um, you know, to take from us. And we're, we need to learn the, the other portion about cost efficiency and process control. And, you know, it's uh, right. What's their fucking masters of. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like if you want to know how much it costs per Cheerio to make a Cheerio. <laughs> they know that <laughs> you ask them. They like, fucking know. Yeah, they know. <laughs> Like, there's probably a guy at each plant that for knows real. what his Cheerios cost, and he's probably <laughs> hating on Milwaukee for having moved. Right. You know what I mean? Like Your Cheerios know. are mids, Milwaukee. It's all mids. <laughs> like, you know, it's they, these are the factors that, you know, like, they will happen to us at scale. And people, um, you know, like, I, I love, you know, making some some homemade hash for myself, but, uh, but the industry... Um, is, is just bigger than that. We all have to, we have to compromise or we have to choose where we want to be. You know, I know right. that R and D is where I'll be happiest. Um, like I would love building a plant and setting it up and then going back every three months to say hi, you know, like I don't For want everyone showing up every day. Oh, that's the that fun. Job, that's the fun you know? stuff. That's what those of us that me, didn't you know? go to school get to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and it's hey, it's you know it's just like i i know where i want to be in this industry and so i'm going to kind of choose that um you know that's a, a privilege that i've afforded myself after doing a lot of bad jobs for a long time um but i think a lot of people who want to get into this industry um like they they don't think about where they want to work they don't know they just outside. know that weed like i want to work right. in the weed industry because it's got to be this glamorous thing and weed is amazing yeah. and well, and if Vice comes and films me, you're going to think that my job is just like opening jars. Right. And being like, you know, like Pipetting. it's going to make it look like I don't do anything difficult. It's not going to look like every 15 minutes I have to run and fill a bucket of dry ice. Right. And then sometimes every 30 minutes I didn't go the 15 minutes before. And so now I got like three buckets of dry ice. And now I'm going to go. Right. Like, you know, like it doesn't show you. You know, just like the day-to-day headache. So um, uh, your chillers are down too, huh? <laughs> no, it's just, <laughs> enough, they weren't enough. So I have chillers and the, the drag. For real. You know? So, you know, there's no end to Bucket Tech. We'll always need oh, a bucket. Bucket Tech's uh, sweet. Yeah. Bucket's the best tool there is. So yeah, um, can people so, find your extracts in stores? Like if they are in, you're in Colorado? I'm in Colorado. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so Sano Gardens is the lab here. Uh, we just do fresh rosin, live resin, and then we have our zirconia product line, which is just all isolates. Um, the idea behind that line is to make isolated cannabinoids really cheap. So we don't make cheap shatter. We don't make cheap wax. I just purify that. And you can buy isolated compounds um, at those same prices. And that's all available medical and rec in Colorado. Um, we're uh, here in Lake Commerce City. And so Crystal Leaves is our neighbor right next door. And they have the best prices on our products. They've always got it in stock. 
you can also go to our website and uh, check out the full list of who carries our products there. Um, and I would love for everyone to check them out if you can. It's super tasty. We'll be sure to put that in the show notes and the, the YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yep. I have to say I've had I've had the I, I've been able to try some of it and I've had a lot of different devs from like a lot of different different places and people and that shit is very very good. Thank you, thank you. It's you know I mean we have a lot of credit to you know give to the it's the growers. From. Yeah, like yeah, I can only do so much, um, but I really love our product because I do feel like I can um, dab a lot of it and it's clean and it doesn't. Yeah doesn't give me that tickle um you know part of that's because i formulate it so i control the terpene ratio and the cannabinoid ratio Hmm. um so you know there's some some influence people don't really understand that those can be very like irritating at higher levels and when they're they like get this gram of sauce that's like just terps and then like a little diamond or whatever in it and they're like oh yeah and then the next morning they're like shit's all swollen up i I mean i've done and I've seen people dab like just the dirt. Straight to you know? oh, right. It's not a good time. It's, it's not, not pleasant. No. So yeah, <laughs> I, I try to keep that in a manageable range. Yeah. Um, but it does it does fluctuate because if we find out there's another compound that I want in there, I'm gonna go back and get it. So. I'm gonna go back and get it. <laughs> Hell yeah. And are you doing work with Tricom Institute? Are you doing classes like yeah, with them? What I, do you? Uh, I interviewed uh, Max a long time ago when we were doing sure. this podcast, and I, that was interesting that I saw that uh, Tricom Institute pop up in your feed. Yeah, so Tricom Institute um, has been doing, like, teaching for a long time, especially Max, like, that's his whole thing. Like, yeah, the interpreters uh, and all that. Yeah, if you want to sit down and nerd out on weed, like, yeah. Max can suck 14 hours out of your day, no problem. Like, you'll for just real. be going, <laughs> you know? Like I, you know, and, and I love cacti and he has an incredible, uh, like cacti nice. thing going on. And I'm just like, I could talk about that forever, but, uh, but they also, um, recently really got into the online education actually, you know, before the COVID crisis, but just trying to standardize a lot of this information in part because the global market is developing. And one thing that has not existed well for cannabis is kind of a universal language about how we describe things and how we define things. Um, which is problematic because we change our minds about what things mean and what they are. Yeah, that's huge for all the bud tenders, like giving out all of this information that who knows where it comes from. Like, it's good to have a standardized set. Yeah, and so the the classes that they started with were really about that interpening, which is a really cool concept because the idea is to teach you how to evaluate cannabis as a product without you know, the analytical hard data. Um, so it's right. a really interesting contrast to, to what I do because on my end, like in the lab, you don't test anything by smelling it. <laughs> you know, that's not how we figure out what things are. But interpeening is all about that. And so, um, but that's hard to do digitally, you know. So, yeah. um, so they've really gotten a good team together to put together digital classes that are very interactive, um, very data focused, um, a lot of like links to further reading and reliant upon studies so that there's just kind of a couple of angles for you to kind of grasp these different concepts about how to identify different qualities of your cannabis, um, you know, from things to like moisture content, resin content, um, you know, the aromatic profiles, uh, you know, those kinds of um, factors. And so I got involved with them to contribute to their cannabis 
consultants course, which is, um, you know, an entry level kind of course, this would be for like, uh, you know, like your accountant for your business who like doesn't know anything about weed and would love to learn something about weed. Right. It'd be helpful if she knew what a rotary evaporator is right. because she keeps seeing it on your itemized, you know, list or something, you know what I you mean? You guys so, go through a lot um, of rotary evaporators here. Yeah, or like, you know, or like someone who wants to be a bud tender, uh, but it's not legal in their state yet. But like they want to, you know, they've met a bud tender, listen to him talk and they think, I want to know what this person knows. Like it's that kind of yeah. everything class. And so they cover the grow. They cover how to read a lab test, how to understand a certificate of analysis. Um, and then I cover a whole bunch of different just types of extracts, what they are, what they're made of, um, you know, how to take a dab, um, you know, just kind of the, <laughs> the basics. And so that's the Cannabis Consultant Training, CCT. And it's just like a good overview for everyone. If you don't, um, if you don't know anything technical about cannabis or if you want to, um, you know, like have some evidence of your technical knowledge because there's tests and quizzes and you do get a certificate at the end of it. Um, and then I also filmed an introduction to concentrates. Uh, that's a separate class from that, um, a little bit longer. And that just kind of goes into a little bit more detail about each of the extraction processes, um, and specifically how to perform, you know, some of these, uh, tasks and, um, to like, if, if you have that, uh, say you've already got an analytical chemistry background, and when you get on Instagram, you see the words that people are using to describe their shatter and you feel like you don't know what's going on. Take my introduction class because I'll help you bridge the gap between, you know, the organic chemistry terms and the cannabis industry terms and kind of what these different products are. Um, and to break it down in a way that helps you understand that like shatter and wax can both be 80% potency, you know, and um, just some of the, uh, some of the like, the nuance that when you're in the industry all the time, you you forget that like other people don't mids know. versus boof. What's right. the difference? <laughs> yeah. Take our class and find <laughs> out. <laughs> mids versus boof 101. Yes, exactly. That's funny. It's uh, Hell yeah. I mean, that's my favorite thing about teaching is figuring out, you know, where everyone else is coming from on these topics. And, uh, you know, we're spoiled, you guys. For real. Like, you got your fancy glass. There's people out there who still think that, that are, like, still taking dabs on, like, tinfoil apparatuses. Yeah. So <laughs> Silicon dabs. We live, we live a sweet life, you know. Yeah. Especially, like, people in non-legal states. We always kind of forget right. about them. Like, they're still, like, going to jail over this shit. So mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely. Right. We yeah. see a big spread of that on the, the dab subreddit and then here in the, the Discord chat. So it's always good mm -hmm. when we can help steer somebody in, in a better path than, than what they were trying to do. Right. What we call a medical apparatus will uh, get you yeah. quite a few days in jail. Yeah, it's called paraphernalia, <laughs> and you're coming with me downtown. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yep. thank you so much for your time. I definitely appreciate you staying the whole hour with us and like talking about all this cool uh, weed science stuff. It's, it's yeah, this awesome. was amazing. And we'll we'll have yeah. links in the show notes to all of your like your Instagram and then the uh, Eventbrite and uh, the class that people can check right. out if they're actually doing some extractions. I think most of the people in this chat are just. Uh, avid users smokers <laughs> smokers right. we, we have a couple of extractors and whatnot yeah, but most yeah. of you all are uh, smokers those of us that didn't get relegated to the hemp toils the rest of their lives right. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, you know, don't lose faith because uh, hemp will probably be first in position for legalization compared yeah. to some of these state-run labs. So yeah, you might get to play with THC one day. Back, back right? again one day. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Hotbox.Earth, that's the website. Check it out. Uh, I'll give you guys a reminder one more time. We got the, uh, the giveaway coming up next weekend, so uh, check out the post. And it's uh, in the announcements channel. You can check out all the different ways to get in on, on this sweet glass for free. Shipping uh, are they going to get one more entry for coming next week? Uh, I don't know. That's up to Tooth because he has to do that on the fly and then find the winner. So it's it's up to him. If he wants to deal with mm-hmm. that, cool. If not, uh, you just get the entry for today and from last episode. So, so, so that's up in the air. We'll see. Yeah. How, it's it's up to how he feels, man. You know, if you guys are nice to him, maybe buy him some cookies, perhaps a pizza sent to his house. You know, he, he may. I, I don't know. I don't know if we can accept bribes. <laughs> Is it time for the disclaimer already? No. All right. The opinions of those expressed in this Discord are not those of the entirety. We, we made it the whole show before you had to do that, though. That's good. We're getting better. <laughs> it, it, it was a pretty good show. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, make sure you subscribe to iTunes, YouTube, uh, and send us screenshots for your uh, subscriptions if you want to get those added for for the giveaway. And, uh, yeah, thanks send again, Murray. Me, it's, been, it's been totally awesome. Hang down in the smoke shot, a smoke lounge if you guys want to dab with us after. See you later.